Hey guys, this is Rocky, and you're listening to the God Loves Miami podcast. I want to welcome you to today's episode, and I also want to encourage you to follow us on social media at God Loves Miami on Instagram and Facebook so that you can find out all that we are about and what God is calling us to do in our city. And now here's Pastor Mark. It's been six months since we launched in February, and... um. I just want to share a couple of things that we can celebrate, and one of them is that in our database, we have about 859 people that have filled out Connect cards. That means 859 people have come through that door and have been part of worship, have responded to the message, and so that, that's pretty crazy. And my favorite number, and we also know this, all right? that Miami people, including myself, we don't always do what we're told. Like, fill out this card. A lot of people don't do it, right? You know, you accept Christ, and it's like, hey, check the little box on the back of the, of the Connect card, and this is our way to follow up with you. This is our way to kind of send you some things that you can do to draw closer to God, and we can inform you of baptisms and stuff like that. And we know that not everyone does that, and it's okay, and we expect that, but... People have identified, on 889 uh, people have identified on their Connect card that they've begun a relationship with Jesus since February 10th. I don't know about you, but, but that's pretty amazing, 89 people, which going by like most Hispanics, it's probably double the number because we don't really do what we're told, right? Um, or maybe it's just me. I actually took a DISC assessment. Has anybody ever taken the DISC assessment? Right? It's a person that... The C and disc is compliant. Does anybody want to guess what my percentage was? 2%. 2%. But here's the good news, and this is, this is how God works. My wife took the same one, and she's 98% compliant, so we're perfect. Together, we make the perfect couple, right? It also makes for good matches, right? For good, uh, but uh, it's, God has been so good to us, and... We're so happy that we have this home and just to be part of a move of God. And even though we sang that the Lord is in this place, but before Miguel and his team got here at 7 o'clock today to start setting up, God was here, right, preparing this place for us. Before this building was erected, God knew that Love Unlimited was going to be here when the 72 Dolphins won the undefeated season right there. People talk about it, literally, it was right there. Go look at it, right? 1972, the Dolphins were winning, and God knew that years later there would be a church right here overlooking that piece of land where 89 people would have given their life to Christ in six months, where there's a bunch of people that have gotten baptized, getting baptized today, and almost a thousand people have come through these doors or way over. If it's 890-something, it's easy to say over a thousand people have uniquely come here and have found God and have heard the gospel, and that's our job. And so I just want to give it up to the church and to the faithful people that are part of our uh, volunteer servant team. We have a great group of people that serve week after week, and they do it because they love you and they love God. And so um, I just wanted to say that just before. That makes me really happy, which is a great transition. We're starting a series today called Happy, right? And, uh, you know, sometimes we're not that happy, right? Sometimes we wake up grumpy. Well, I've been really happy this week. Because on Sunday night, I was playing with my phone, right? It must have been like midnight. And in like 20 minutes, 
I bought a car on my phone. And my wife was sleeping. I'm like, hey, babe, I just bought a car on the phone. And she doesn't listen to me. You can get away with a lot of stuff, husbands, when your wife's asleep, you just wake them up real quick. Hey, babe, you know. <laughs> and so it was that easy. And so, um, you know, a couple of days go by. They deliver the car to my house. I hadn't even test driven it. And it was better in person than it was on the Internet. Right? It was great. I, I, I was, you know, and, and I'm, I'm really busy, and, and it was just perfect. And, you know, I actually tried to back out of it. And then it made things even better because they didn't want me to back out. That's usually, and, and here's the thing, it wasn't strategy, right? A lot of people do that for strategy, calling bluffs. I really wanted to get out of it, just wanted some more time to kind of, I guess, you know, look around. And I got a great deal on a used truck, and I was so happy. And on Thursday, I'm driving into my development. You guys are probably trying to, already figuring out what happened, right? Um, and... I, I still don't have like the little barcode thing that you can drive in like through the resident side and so I go through the regular side and the lady takes my tag and all that and as I'm going through she lowers the bar on the hood of the truck and it's like boom and I'm like ah and I'm like beeping and then I'm looking through the rearview mirror my kids are looking back and the lady gets like super nervous because she's now hit my car and she's like and she's like, you know, like shaking the little clicker and it's just going da 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 So it went from being an extremely amazing, happy week for me, like I want to murder someone right now, right? And I just took a deep breath and I'm like, I'm just going to go home, you know? And I told a couple of people, the association has to pay, whatever. And I'm like, if I pursue this to the full extent of the law, this poor nervous lady that really didn't want to hit my car, and then she was like stuck there, like, you know, it looked like she was getting electrocuted by the, by the button. Um, she's probably going to lose her job, and it's just a little dent on my car, you know. But, but man, I guess it was, it was a way for God to like humble me that week, you know, and like say, hey, you know, it's just a car, right? But see, we all have days like that, right? A day you're super happy, and someone does something dumb, because I could say that was dumb, and then she panicked and had some type of episode. Um, and, and, and it ruins our, our day, right? Sometimes our week, month. And maybe it's, it's not some lady you don't know, but maybe it's someone you love. And you wake up, and you're super excited, and the person you love the most says something to you, and it just, like, messes up your day. Or your boss. Or maybe you turn on the news, and it's like the news just totally bums you out. Um, I haven't watched the news, and, and, and listen, I'm the guy that watched like from 6 to like midnight. Just, I would get home, and I was just like feeding myself news and information and politics, and, and it was driving me crazy, completely crazy. So it's been a year that I like, I am selecting what I receive, and I filter it, and I still know what's going on in the world because I want to be aware, but, but like I, it was, I was getting to a point where I was either mad or depressed or I wanted to like walk around my neighborhood with a gun, you know what I mean? It was just like crazy stuff. But the other night I wake up at 2 o'clock and guess what's on? It's the news, right? Totally depressing. The Amazon's on fire. The president is telling all the companies to pull out of, of China. The Dow Jones, like, dropped. I mean, I couldn't go back to sleep. I was like, oh, my God. The world is on fire. It's been a year. I haven't watched the news. And now so I wake up in the middle of the night and the world is on fire, right? See, we live in a sad world. And in the next eight weeks, I'm going to walk us all through a series called Happy, How to Find Happiness in a Sad World. 
And God wants us not just to be happy, but he wants us to be blessed. Who wants to be blessed by God? All right, I want you to say this with me. Say, God bless me. Let's say it again. God bless me. God bless you. Right? That's usually what you say when someone sneezes. God bless you. We say, God bless you. But, but what does that really mean? Have you ever thought about it, what it really means? What's a blessing? How do we define a blessing? Some of us wouldn't know what a blessing is if it slapped us in the face. The Bible actually says that sometimes a problem could be a blessing. And so when you say God bless you to someone, are you just giving them a bunch of problems? God bless you. And it's like, no, don't bless me, right? You know, you sneeze. And, have you ever heard those people that have those internal sneezes? I tried that once. It hurts, right? To like sneeze on the inside. And it's like the weirdest thing, right? So I tried that once, and it just like hurt everywhere when I did that. And maybe it's because they don't want to be blessed, because they don't want problems, right? What in the world is a blessing? You see, sometimes if, if you pray to God for God to bless someone, how do you even know that it's going to happen? What is a blessing? The word bless is actually, it comes from the Bible. There's a Greek word. It's called makairos. Say that with me. Makairos, right? It's actually the word, if there's anyone here that speaks Greek, you, we can talk, you can affirm it, you can scream. It actually means happy. So when Jesus was preaching this in Aramaic, which is a blend of, of Hebrew and, and Greek, he said makairos. It's, it's the word for happiness, to be blessed, to be happy. To have a blessing is to have happiness in your life. How many times have we just like, sat down or looked out a window or maybe into the ocean or maybe got in bed, turned off the lights and just thought, I just want to be happy. I just want to stop fighting. I just want peace. See, when Jesus talks about you're blessed if you do this, what he's saying is that you'll be happy if you do this. Those are the exact words that he spoke. So as we begin this series through Jesus' most famous sermon called the Sermon on the Mount, we will learn what it really takes to be happy. Jesus begins the Sermon on the Mount talking about eight ways to be blessed by God. Eight ways. If we do these eight things, we will receive God's blessing in our lives. He gives us eight simple ways. See, and I, I want you guys to be happy. I want you guys to not miss one of these messages just so that you can learn the recipe to a blessed and happy life. You see, God wants to bless your life. He wants to bless your studies. He wants to bless your marriages. He wants to bless your finances. Can I get an amen? He wants to bless your health. He wants to bless your future. So I'm extremely interested as your pastor, as someone who loves you, to know exactly how I can interpret all of this through the Holy Spirit so that you, so that all of us can live extremely blessed life. Has anyone here ever thought or asked, why doesn't God bless me? I think all of us, at one point or another, you see someone being blessed, and, and you're going through something, it's like, why doesn't God bless me? I think we've all thought that. And as we study the Bible, we find that the problem, it's not God. The reason that you're not blessed, it's not God. You know what's the reason that a lot of times I'm not blessed, and you're not blessed? It's you, it's me, we are the reason that sometimes we do not receive God's blessings. And you're probably thinking like, what is Mark talking about? You see, God wants to bless you. He wants to bless your life. But you have to become blessable. See, a lot of us don't live lives in a way that God can bless. 
See, God isn't going to bless sin. God isn't going to bless arrogance. God isn't going to bless indifference. God is not going to bless a lot of things and a lot of the things that we do. So when Jesus starts his most famous sermon, the first thing he begins with is, I'm going to teach you eight conditions to receiving God's blessing in your life. And so we're going to start with Matthew chapter 5. The Sermon on the Mount is Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7, if you want to read ahead. But we're going to go through this verse by verse, and we're going to go an in-depth study of what Jesus was talking about and how we can learn from this extremely famous sermon. We're going to go through all of these chapters. In chapter 5, it starts like this. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain... And after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. And so Jesus, when the disciples come, the tradition was that the person that was preaching would sit. And then everyone else would stand to listen as, as these guys went on for three chapters. That must have been easily over an hour. So next Sunday, I'm going to sit, and you guys are going to stand, right? No, I'm just kidding, but... See, the first of these eight conditions is this. We'll keep reading. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Stop there. Give me your attention. See, that doesn't really tell me a whole lot because I don't understand most of those words. It's just not how we talk. First, I don't know what poor in spirit means. And I don't understand. You're probably thinking, what's the kingdom of heaven? Like, what is that? And so we got to unpack this a little bit to understand it. So the first is what is the kingdom of heaven, and what is the difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God? And I'm going to ask you for a favor, okay? This is going to be like the hook to keep you hooked to our podcast and to our services. We're going to unpack this in the next eight weeks, what the kingdom of God is and what the kingdom of heaven is, I promise. But today, we're going to start this series, and I want you to look at the first six words of Jesus' most famous sermon. And the first six words he starts, the first word is blessed. What a great preacher just to start off and say, blessed, I want to bless you. He doesn't start off, let me give you eight curses, right? I'm going to give you eight blessings, eight blessings, eight ways to be happy. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And what does it mean to be poor in spirit? You could probably guess, just trying to define the words. He's not talking about physical poverty, you know, that you're actually broke, Right? He, he, he doesn't say that you're blessed because you're poor. It says poor in spirit. So it's not economical. It's not physical. He's talking about a spiritual poverty. He's talking about maintaining a certain kind of attitude. In several other translations, and I, I brought them up so you could see them here on the screen. In the New Living Translation, it says, God blesses those who realize their need for him. God's Word translation of the Bible, it says, God blesses those who recognize They're spiritually helpless. In the common English version, it says, God blesses those who depend only on him. In the New Century version, it says, God blesses those who know they have great spiritual needs. So we can see a pattern here. It's not a thing. It's more of an attitude. It's saying, I recognize that I'm inadequate to live a life that's without God. Without God in my life, I am spiritually poor. Without God in my life, I'm inadequate. A good verse that helps us clarify all this in Psalm 146, it's, in your, it's, it's up here on the screen. It says, The Lord God blesses everyone who trusts in him 
and depend on him. So the first condition for God's blessing in our life is we have to trust him. We have to trust God. We have to put our faith in God. We've got to depend on him. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. But I'll give you a full definition. To be poor in spirit, which is the first condition to have a blessed life, it means I am humbly dependent on God instead of myself. I humbly depend on God instead of myself. And humility is such a difficult thing. To be humble and to recognize I don't have it all together. I don't have it all figured out. To be poor in spirit, I depend on God. I know that I'm not enough unless you come into my life. That's what we were saying, isn't it? Powerful. I'm not enough. And then God shows up who is everything, who's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the one that can supply all of my needs. All of them. Not some of them. Every single one of your needs. Think about that for a moment. Maybe things that you're missing, inadequacies, a sickness, a doubt, an insecurity. Maybe you just want to be closer to God. And God says, come to me, and I will fulfill and fill all of your needs. So if I want God's blessing on my relationship with my girlfriend, with my boyfriend, I don't have a girlfriend, by the way, I'm just kind of, you know, I have a wife, I'm happily married. Um, if I want God to bless, if you want God to bless your girlfriend, I don't have a boyfriend either or a husband, right? My boyfriend, my husband, my wife, or anybody, what does that mean? I have to depend on God. And you know what happens? One of the biggest conflicts in marriage is that we put all of our dependence and all of our, like, reliance on a man and on a woman that is imperfect, that is incomplete. The only way to find fulfillment in a relationship is when both people have 100% surrender to God and say, hey, we humbly come before you, God, and we're inadequate. We love each other. We care about each other. You know, I'm 2% compliant. He's 98. There's an area in our life we kind of have figured out, but the rest, we need you to fill in the gaps. We need you to consume us. We need you to be the center of our life. If we want God to bless our work, our career, our studies, we want God to bless our finances, our health, we need to humbly depend on God instead of ourselves. And so the question becomes, how do I do that? How can I humbly depend on God? How can I have this attitude? And so I want to give you five practical ways. And you can practice every single one of them this week and how you can become a woman or a man who is poor in spirit, which means you depend on God rather than depending on yourself. And the first step is this. I depend on God's wisdom, not mine. To be blessed by God first, I depend on God's wisdom, not mine. I depend on God's wisdom. And many times when we're just in life and something pops up, what do we do? Oh my gosh, how do I do that? Or we call a friend, hey buddy, this is happening in my life, how do we do that? Before we ever surrender it and give it to God. In other words, what this means is that we listen to what God has to say. I follow what God says and I do what he says. Proverbs 14, 12 says this, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, what? It leads to death. And man, like how many times has, has stuff like this happened to us? I feel that, that this is what I need to do. It just feels so very right, so very, very right. You know, I, I'm going to go into this relationship because it just feels so good. And she's so hot. And she cooks. Right? That's like a scarcity nowadays. And it's like, it just feels right, so... 
So, so you go and you do it, and, and you hang out with this person, and you, you get emotionally involved with them, and, and then what happens? You give them your heart, and they break it. But it felt so good. And thousands of years ago, King Solomon writes, there's a way that seems right to a man. You know why? Because he was a man that had his heart broken many times and made many mistakes, but in the end, it leads to death. You know how many times, maybe it was a business transaction, a business deal, this looks like the best thing ever. And you go, and you do it, and then you lose a bunch of money, right? Someone once told me, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. When we were like super young, this is like an embarrassing story, but this, I like to show you my like, you know, I'm just a regular guy, and I've made mistakes, and you've made mistakes. We were probably in our 20s, and... Uh, I had just gotten started in ministry. I really wasn't making a salary. It was more of like a little tip. And, uh, and my wife was uh, just started nursing. We had, were just about to have Joshua and Caleb and Joshi. They're close in age. And one of my friends calls me and says, hey, bro, there's this new program that like if you pay like $3,000, you know, they reduce your mortgage by 1500 bucks. And I'm like, bro, that means I'm going to pay like 300 bucks a month. And that sounds great. And all the papers, everything was there. It looks legit. I ran it by someone. Yeah, it looks legit. And, the, and my friend's like, I just did it. He owned a house in, in uh, what is it called? In Sunshine Ranches or over there in, in, by Cooper City, Southwest Ranches. And, um, and he's like, bro, like, you know, and, and they forgive your, you don't have to pay your, your mortgage for two months. And, and I'm like, well, tell her to come over. And I scrounged a couple of bucks and, and we signed all the paperwork and we gave the check. And guess what? I got scammed. Okay, completely scammed. It was terrible. The worst part about it is that um, I got one of my relatives to join in on the scam with me. And uh, unfortunately, I was not part of the receiving and just the losing end. Right? And, and, and sometimes that happens in life. I learned a big lesson, but it cost a lot and it hurt. And yet God says, you know what? There's a way that seems right for a man, but in the end, it leads to death. Every single one of us in this room could probably share a testimony of a time that you thought that something just felt so right. You know, there's songs. People write songs about that. If it feels good, it must be right. But that's like the dumbest thing that you could ever say. This is the perfect relationship. This is the perfect person and I should marry and that's why divorce is like at an all-time high. Or people don't get married anymore. That's like how many, my kids are in elementary school and most of their friends Parents aren't even married. Parents will often think, I know what the right thing is for my kid, and it's what I want, and not what God says, and not what anyone else says, and God may want the complete opposite. You see, it happens in friendships. It happens in investments. And just because it feels good, feelings lie. How many times have your feelings lied to you? Let's look at this really practically. How many times have our feelings lied to us? And that's why the Bible says there's a way that seems right a man, but in the end it leads to death. I pray that all of us remember that next time there's an opportunity. Is this the right opportunity? Is this what God wants me to do? Or is this just what I'm going to do in my life? So the first way that we get God's blessing in our life is that we depend on God's wisdom, not my feelings. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And what? Do not depend on your own understanding. James 1, 5 says this, if you lack wisdom, you should pray and ask God who gives it generously. 
Man, I know that there's days that I just like, God, give me wisdom. I want to make the right choice for my family, for the church, for my kids, for my future. I need your wisdom. And you know what's awesome about God? It says he gives it generously and graciously to all. So don't believe the lie that people say that, oh, you're not, you're not smart enough or you can never do that. God will give you wisdom. And he gives it generously. All right, let me talk to you about generosity. My daughter was eating M&Ms the other day, and I said, hey, baby, can I have some? She gave me one M&M. And you want to know what the worst part about the whole thing is that I bought her the bag of M&Ms, and she gave me one. That's what people do. That's what I do. That's what you do. But we serve a God that says, I'm not going to give you a bag of M&Ms. I'm going to make it rain M&Ms on you. All right, who wants an M&M rain shower? Right, I see a lot of people. I see a lot of people like M&Ms. Let's add that Lisa to like, you know, the, all right. He gives it to everybody. He gives it to you if you ask for it. You don't have to be qualified. Isn't that amazing? That God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies those people that he calls. And he's calling you today and he wants to qualify you. God doesn't want us to be stupid. He doesn't want us to make dumb mistakes. He doesn't want us to hit dead ends. God doesn't want you to go through failure and failure and failure. God wants you to succeed in life. He wants us to be wise. And so let's choose wisdom. Let's choose God wisdom so that we can be blessed. The second thing, how to be poor in spirit, is I depend on God's strength, not mine. I depend on the Lord's strength, on God's power, on God's energy, not mine. You've probably noticed that you often get tired. In fact, you're tired a lot. At the end of the day, you're worn out. You're exhausted. Your energy is running out. And you want me to tell you why it's real simple. You're a human being. We're all human beings. You see, I want us to say this. Say, my strength is limited. Come on, say it loud. My strength is limited. God's strength is unlimited. My strength is finite. God's strength is infinite. My strength is exhaustible. That's why I get exhausted because it runs out. But say this with me. God's strength is inexhaustible. God never runs out of energy. God never gets tired. So I need to depend on God's strength, not my own. Let's say that together. I think it's up on the screen. Can we get that, Carol? Yes. So let's say it. God never runs out of energy. God never gets tired. So I need to depend on God's strength, not my own. Let's read that last line again. So I need to depend on God's strength, not my own. Psalm 84.5 says, God blesses all who depend. God says, you bless all who depend on you for their strength. Man, we just need to rely on God. We all know what dependents are. They're, they're in our taxes, right? And God says, you know what? Depend on me. Rely on me. You see, my kids wake up in the morning, and they just look at me. They don't have to say anything. They're just like, they're looking at the microwave, and the clock in the microwave says 8.30, and it's Saturday morning, and they've eaten by 6.30 during the week because they got to get ready for school, and, and they just look at us, and they're like, and I'm like, what's going on? They're like, what's for breakfast? They depend on us. They don't go to the grocery store, right? They don't call Uber Eats. They don't walk to McDonald's to get food. No, they wake up in the morning and they walk to the kitchen and they're depending on their mom or me to put food in their mouth. And God's saying, you know what? 
I bless everyone who depends on me for their strength. I feed my children because they depend on me for food. There's a verse in the Bible that says, if we, being evil, know how to give good things to our kids, how much more God, who's great, who's the best? We would never, my, 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 the, the, the verse keeps on going. If Caleb asked me for a stick cheese, I'm not going to give him a roach. I'm not going to give him a snake, right? No, I'm going to give him a stick cheese and say, hey, you want another one? You, you want some chocolate milk, right? That's what God does. God takes care of all of our needs. Isaiah 40 says this, those who trust in the Lord for help will find strength renewed. They will rise up on wings like eagles. They will run and not get weary. They will walk and not grow weak. That's the type of strength I need. So when I'm attacked, when I feel tired, when I feel like I'm all alone, I could dress like an eagle. I don't have the strength to like, you know, fan my wings, but I know if I stretch them out that God's going to carry me to the other side. Amen? That's the God who we serve. You see, let me say this. Amen. In the darkest moments of your life, sometimes we can't see a way forward. Sometimes we feel like, man, there is no way out of this. How do I get out of this moment? Has anybody ever felt like that? Like, like, like where, where's the other side? And you know what? God's there and he's ready, willing, and able to give you the strength to make it through that problem. You see, starting Love Unlimited, we're celebrating six months, was one of the biggest risks. And I talk about this stuff one-on-one -on -one and whatever, I mean, that, that we ever took as a family. And uh, a lot of it is a lot of fun and it's awesome. And we do some amazing things in and, and, and the ministries that we do. But, but um, this ministry was birthed in, in prayer, a lot of prayer, in scary nights where we couldn't sleep and it's like, is this just us or is this God? Like really moving us, really calling us to take these steps of faith. There was tears. There was moments of doubt. There were even fights sometimes. Yes. But you know what? In those moments when we were like lost for words or lost for what the next step is, we put our trust 100% on God and said, God, if this is what you want us to do, you will see us through. You see, there's only one way to get out of your darkest days and it's we need to depend and rely and trust on god and i'm going to challenge you to memorize two verses today the first one is psalm 71 it's real easy and i, I pray this all the time is i walk in the strength of the lord psalm 71 16 let's say that together i walk in the strength of the lord when you wake up in the morning and you don't want to go to work is anybody here like man it's monday i want to go to work tomorrow just be honest raise your hand right and you get up and you sit on the edge of your bed and say, I walk in the strength of the Lord. I want to teach you a verse that for some of you, there's a lot of young people here, maybe it's good to memorize now. But at some point in our lives, our bodies will begin to fail us. Our knees will begin to hurt. I have like two Tylenol in my little, little coin pocket right here. Because after we're done tearing down and stuff and bending over to baptize, I'm going to need those on the way home. Right? And I'm also going to need Psalm 73. It says, my health may fail, my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. What a beautiful, beautiful verse. My health may fail, my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. That's a great verse to memorize, guys. Take a picture of it with your phone. 
Put it somewhere where you can memorize that. There's this famous Christian of the 19th century. His name is Hudson Taylor. And he wrote this towards the end of, of his life. He was a missionary in China. And he wrote this. He said, I am so weak, I can no longer work. I am so weak, I can no longer study. I am so weak, I can no longer read my Bible. I can't even pray. I can only lie still in the arms of God like a little child in trust. And you know what? That's good enough to trust God. Sometimes in your life, you're going to be weak. You're going to be so weak that you can't even pray. You can't pray? You know what? There was a moment in my life where I thought I had like lost my salvation. I was like totally falling from God. And it was when my father was sick and I would close my eyes to pray and nothing. And I'm like, and, and you know what the best part about it is? I was a pastor, right? At a big church. And I would close my eyes. I mean, I could pray with a microphone in my hand. I could pray for dinner when everybody was listening to me. I could pray for someone else, but when it was just me and God, I'd close my eyes and nothing. And then one day I'm like, God, I can't pray. And I know that I tell people not to pay Bible roulette and just and try to find something, but I'm going to play Bible roulette, all right? And I opened my Bible, and I played Bible roulette, and for the first time it worked. And I was on Romans chapter 8 when it says that there will be moments when you can't utter, you can't pray, but the Spirit intercedes for us. It groans for us. It cries out for us. And so in those moments when you can't even pray, God's still there. The Holy Spirit is interceding for you. And you know what? Weakness can also be a good thing in your life. And you're not going to hear this a lot, right? But weakness can be a good thing. The Apostle Paul, St. Paul, said this. Three times I begged God to take away my weakness. Each time God said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. So now I gladly boast. I boast about how weak I am. Because when I am the weakest, the power of Christ works in me and shows up through me. When I am weak, then I am strong. And it's not that God wants us to li live defeated lives. I believe God wants us to live victorious lives. But he also wants us to know that there will be trials, there will be problems. We live in a fallen world. The Amazon's on fire. And in our moments of doubt, in our moments of weakness, in our moments when maybe one of our kids gets sick or something bad happens, say, in my weakness, I'm strong. In my weakness, I will see this through. Jesus will carry me through this. It's a paradox, like depending on God even more when we're weak. And the more we depend on God when we're weak, the stronger we become. Like that doesn't even make sense. But you know what? That's what faith does. Faith is, you don't know really how it's going to happen, but you believe in God and you trust in God. To be blessed by God I need to have God's witness, God's wisdom, and I need to rely on his strength. And the third thing is depend on God's timing, not mine. This is really hard, guys, right? Because most of us, when we pray, we want it now, right? It's like, God, I want it now. I want that salary now. I want that woman now. I want that man now. I want my, you know, my investments to just explode right now. We pray and we pray and God... I want it now. How many of you have ever prayed and said, God, I want it now? Right? We do that all the time. You know what? 
When I was in middle school, I prayed, like, God, I want that girl right now. And then I even told them, I don't care if it's the wrong thing for me. I, I just want her to like me. All right? And then the girl sits next to me at lunch, and she was like a total slob, like food coming out of her mouth. And God's like, you want her? There she is. Right? And, he gave, and she's like, oh, my gosh. Like, what do you do for fun? And it's like, she's talking to me, and like food's flying out of her mouth. And she was beautiful. Right? And God's like, look, you want her now? I gave her to you, right? Sometimes I think God will allow us to like just hit our head against the wall sometimes. Oh, you want it now? You want that house now? You want that car now? You want that woman now? You want whatever now? You want 1500 bucks knocked off your mortgage now? You want it now? Okay, sign the papers, right? And then the lady disappeared. I don't know if she was like an angel, maybe a demon that showed up, took my money, disappeared. Depend on God's timing, not mine. And you know what the problem is in our life? That we feel that when we're praying and nothing's happening, that God's asleep. That God's not listening. You know, a bunch of people, a bunch, and, and I think they say it out of a good place, and I appreciate it, and I laugh with them, and they'll tell me, like, Mark, what took you so long? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, why'd you wait so many years to, to start a church? And then one of my friends is just asking me about, hey, how's the church going? And I, I told him how the church is, is doing, and, and he says, you know what, those 18 years that you served in ministry and the six years that you were in a Christian band, like, God was already starting Love Unlimited. You see, God's not bound by time. Just because God is silent doesn't mean that God isn't working. Just because God hasn't answered your prayer doesn't mean that he's not going to answer. Maybe you're not ready to receive it. Maybe you're not blessable yet. Maybe if God gives it to you right now, you'd lose it. You have no idea how many times I've counseled single people. Then it's like, man, I just want a guy that's like this and like this and like this and a Christian and reads his Bible every day and prays for me and like, you know, works out three times a day and has a great salary and there's this, like, unicorn of a man that they've drawn up and I'm looking at them and, and I'm like, you know. <laughs> and I say, uh, you know, I, I don't see you in church that much. Do you go to another church and just visit? Our, no, no, it's my home. I'm like, okay. I'm like, so... How's your prayer life? Oh, I, I, I love to pray. I pray for my food sometimes. I'm like, oh, I could tell. Um, and, and then it's like, uh, you know, do, do you serve anywhere? Do you, I don't have time to serve. And so you want this man, this like, you know, monster of a man to show up in your life and sweep you off your feet. You don't come to church regularly. You don't serve. You don't read your Bible. You don't pray. It's like, he's not going to be attracted to you. I'm sorry. Right? Jesus isn't going to show up to his house and say, hey, you see that girl over there? She doesn't talk to me. She hardly goes to church. She only prays sometimes. And, you know, but you should definitely, you know, you're, you're a great soldier. You should just rescue her. No, sometimes we need to put ourselves in a place where we can be blessed. Amen? And look at your life right now. Look at, I'm looking at my life. What are the things in my life that I need to change so that God can keep blessing me? Don't think that the season of waiting means that God has stopped working. He's still working. It took God 18 years to get us to this point, our six-month anniversary. 1972, when the Dolphins won the Super Bowl, right there, God was building this church. God was getting ready to bless us. God was answering the prayers of my ancestors as they prayed for their legacy and their children's children children. I pray for my grandkids and my kids aren't even married. 
I pray for their kids. I pray for their wives. And I'm like, God, bless them and make them into men and women that will attract people that will bless their life. If you're worried about, man, I hope that my daughter marries a great man. Raise a great daughter. If you're worried, I hope that my son marries a great woman. You know what? It's my job to make sure that Caleb sits in the front row every Sunday. And not that he's playing Fortnite in the stairs somewhere, you know? And it's, it's Caleb, you know, the other night I'm like, hey, what, what is blessed are the poor in spirit? And Caleb stood in front of us, and he's like, uh, he opens his Bible, and he's like, Papi, I don't know. <laughs> and so we talked about it. And so I'm doing it because I love him, but I'm also doing it because I want to make sure that the woman that's attracted to him is a great woman, a woman that wants that I'm raising a unicorn, you know. <laughs> so I hope you don't get offended that I'm raising a unicorn, right? So in our season of waiting, God is still working. I hope that comforts you. Psalm 31 says this, I trust in the Lord. You are my God. My times are in your hands. Sometimes we're in a hurry and God's not in a hurry. And that's okay. Isaiah 60 says, I am the Lord. And when it is time, I will make things happen quickly. All right? Micah 7, 7 says, I trust in the Lord to save me. And I will wait for him to answer my prayer. Let's wait on God today. Amen? The fourth thing, and I'm almost done, it says, I depend on God's defense, not mine. And I'll explain this real easy. When you're driving down the Palmetto and something happens that you weren't aware of and someone drives by and gives you the international symbol of you're an awesome guy, rolls down their window. You guys all know what that international symbol of your number one is, right? And and what is it that, that we want to do? Is it say, he just say that to me. Right? We want to like catch up to them and like scare them. But the truth is we're not going to do anything. Right? Someone steps on us and we push them back. That's just like how do we use, go into the children's ministry right now and push a little kid. You know what's going to happen? They're going to bite you. And their parents, I promise you, never bit them. It's our nature to try to defend ourselves, to strike vengeance under our own hands. There will always be people around you that misunderstand you. There will always be people around you that don't like you. There will always be people around you who criticize you, who judge you, who attack you, who gossip against you, who spread rumors about you. Doesn't that hurt when someone spreads rumors about us? And you know what we try to do when this happens is, what's wrong with me? What can I do to change? Why, why are they talking bad about me? Maybe if I could be perfect, no one would talk bad about me. Maybe if I could be perfect, no one would gossip about me. Maybe if I was perfect, everyone would like me. You know what? That's not going to happen. Because Jesus was perfect. And you know what? They didn't like him. They talked bad about him. They crucified him on a cross because he was perfect. And so perfection isn't going to change. We're going to have problems. People are going to attack us. People are going to talk bad about us. And we need to allow God to defend us. God goes before us and he defends us all right and you know what's amazing and we sing it but it's actually come straight out of the bible and at the end when he wins he calls it our victory that's the god who we serve god is better at justice than you are and there's sometimes that people do deserve it they deserve the electric chair right does anybody know someone that deserves the electric chair or just at least you know to get run over by a car and survive right it's like, man, I wish this guy would get run over. Not die, but just like, you know, have a little limp. You know what I mean? Am I the only one? 
<laughs> but you know what? God is better at justice than we are. God is so much better at that. We're most like Jesus when we say nothing. Think about that. We're not most like Jesus when we're like, trying to sing as good as Tanya and Johnny. That's not when we're most like Jesus. We're most like Jesus when someone hurts us and we say nothing. First Peter says this, when they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats back. Instead, he entrusted himself to God to set things right. And so to be a leader in business means you're going to be criticized. To be a leader in the church means you're going to be criticized. To be a leader in the community, we have a leader of the community standing in the back, Officer Matt. He's actually the boss in Little Havana, right? Do you get criticized? All the time, right? And look, he, he, give, he puts his life on the line for, for, for his people every single day. He's a leader. He gets criticized. God wants us to be a generation of fearless men, of fearless women who will say, I'm going to do the right thing regardless if that person deserves it. Man, that's hard. And we don't worry about anything else but honoring God. We leave it to God. Psalm 2 says, God blesses and protects everyone who runs to him. And so that's my challenge to you today. In the face of threats, in the face of lies in the face of criticism, just run to God, and God will protect you. The fifth thing this is the last thing. I depend on God's wealth, not mine. I depend on God for my safety, for my security. I depend on God's wealth, not mine. Man, that, that's so tough. I mean, because everything revolves around money, right? Like, I, I, I don't rely on my wealth, on my earning potential. And some of you have incredible earning potential. I rely on God, not my bank account, not the stock market. You guys saw how quickly the stock market could tank, and the next day it'll be up. Could you imagine putting your trust on that? How many people? That's where their trust is. My hope comes from the Lord, the one who created the heavens and the earth. Money is the most mundane thing. We need it. We need it to pay our bills. We actually need it to, to further the kingdom of God. And so God will choose specific people and bless them so that his kingdom on earth, which is run by currency because we need currency to reach people and feed people and rent places and do stuff, and God will bless certain people to sow into ministry so ministry can flourish around the world. So money is necessary. But don't put your trust in money. Put your trust and your hope in God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. So big deal. You know, there's some cows by my house, and I hate them because they smell bad. And I invite people over to my house to have a barbecue, and they're eating a burger, but it smells like cow poop, right? But what does that mean? Why does the Bible say that God owns a cattle on a thousand hills? Cattle. And still, even today, I mean, they're worth a lot of money. Back in the day, you couldn't even marry a woman if her family wasn't full of, like, cattle and sheep and cows and horses and animals and livestock. It'd be like, you want my daughter? It's like one million goats, Right? And be like, oh, I got a million goats, you know, and then, and my feo he que tenía a million goats, but he got the daughter. The ugliest one is the one that had the million goats. God owns it all, and it's all his, and he will bless you. Put your hope in God. Work hard. God blesses hard workers. 
Put your hope in God. Philippians 4.19 says, And God will supply all of my needs from his abundant wealth because of what Christ Jesus has done for us. Our job is not our channel. God is our source. Our job is our channel. And God is our source. And I'm going to ask Josue to come up. We're going to end today's service. But I want you to think about this. If you go home today and you turn your faucet and water doesn't come out, what are you going to say? You're going to say, there's no water in the whole world. It's over. No one's going to say that. That would be ridiculous. You'd be like, something's wrong with this faucet. And you'd look and immediately you'd probably go to the bathroom and like, oh, okay, there's water. It's just this faucet's broken. But sometimes we have a problem financially. We have a problem with work. We're behind on certain things and we're like, I'm losing all hope. I turn the faucet and there's nothing coming out. And maybe this door has closed in your life. That God's capable of opening another door. He's ready, willing, and able, but sometimes we're just trying to get water out of the same faucet. And, we're like, and God's like, look, there's a window there, there's a door there, there's a garage over there, and they're wide open. Go that way. Come and find the light's coming in, and we're just stuck there. God is our source. Say that with me. God is my source. When you pull up that app and you see the numbers going down, God's my source. I'm going to trust in God. If God closes a door in your life, he can open another one, and he'll open another one, and he can open a window for you to crawl out through. God is not limited by your ability and your capacity. Living poor in spirit is realizing that God is my supply. God is my supply. I depend on God for my wealth. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Just saying that with your eyes closed, it's, it's so peaceful. The Bible says that his word is medicine. It's medicine to our bones. So that means when we declare the word of God in our life, even though it doesn't make sense, that's okay. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Just close your eyes, confess that over your life, and start walking and living that way, and you'll see that God will open those doors. My source is God. Your boss may be a jerk. He's not, he's not the one that supplies you. He's a vehicle that God's using to bless you. It's not him, it's God. And when it doesn't work out there, he will open a bigger and a better and a brighter door. So the keys to living a blessed life is I don't depend on my wisdom. I don't depend on my strength. I don't depend on my plan, on my timing. I don't depend on me defending myself. And I don't depend on my wealth. I trust in God in all of my areas. Psalm 5, 6 says, happy are those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires. God will satisfy them fully. And I'm going to invite you to stand up. In a moment, Johnny's going to lead us in song. And we're just going to repeat that. The Lord is in this place. I'm not enough. Unless you come, will you meet me here again? 
And if you're in a place where you're, you know what, I, I need more of God in my life. I want to I live a blessed life. And I recognize that God has not been blessing me the way that I know that he can. Because I haven't been blessable. And so today I want to make a decision to make things right. To ask him for forgiveness. To ask him to mend and fix my broken heart. To ask him to bless my business, my family. Ask him to bring unity back into my home. Ask him to bring back lost children. It is unfathomable to me. People that I meet that haven't talked to their relatives in years because of a silly thing, and a silly thing has turned into a huge thing. And you know what? Sometimes people, they won't accept your peace, and that's okay. But God has called us to be peacemakers, and so it is our job to say, hey, you know what? Let's start over. Let's start fresh. Forgive me. Humble yourself. And then if they don't want to accept it, that's okay. That's on them. But now you can go on with your life. And you'll see immediately joy will come back. Some of us don't have joy. Some of us can't have healthy relationships because of something stupid that happened years ago. And we're carrying that on our back. Some of us can't have a relationship with God because something that happened in church years ago or something that a Christian did to you years ago and you're carrying that with you every single day. And God's saying, you can't change someone's heart, but you can be a peacemaker. You can start peace. And so this may be for one person, this could be for a lot of people, but I, but I feel that God wants there to be peace in our home because he is the prince of peace. And how can he live in our hearts if our homes are in disarray, if our families are in disarray? And so I want to pray that God brings peace into our homes and into our families and into our workplace, that we would be poor in spirit because when I'm weak, I'm strong. And so don't feel like being poor in spirit is, I'm going to be poor. No, you know what? When you move out of the way, God steps in, and he's your defender. When you move out of the way, God steps in, and he's your provider. When you move out of the way, what does it say? That he makes your path straight. Sometimes you feel like you're just in this rat race, running, 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 and nothing changes. You wake up, you go to sleep, you wake up, you go to sleep. God says he's going to get you out of that little wheel, and he's going to make your path straight. Just surrender your ways to God. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's just a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, if this podcast has ministered to you and you would like to help us continue reaching people that need to be inspired by the Word of God, please consider making a donation at GodLovesMiami.com. That's GodLovesMiami.com. And we'll see you next time on the God Loves Miami podcast.